Hey, fine townsfolk. I've got another podcast that you might like to listen to. It's not a feckless moms joint, but you still might like it because you're great big nerds. Take a listen. Hey, podcast listeners, this is Mike and Jordan from How About This, a new podcast for all of you professional nerds out there. Do you ever wish you could pitch your version of your favorite franchise to some movie or TV producer? Do you ever find yourself asking, why don't we see video games like that anymore? Well, that's what our show is about. How About This is a fantasy pitch show for our favorite things. Whether it's movies, TV shows, video games, or comics. Books, tabletop games, theme parks, you name it. How About This is taking a deep dive into the hypothetical futures of the most interesting pieces of entertainment out there. So if you like this kind of thing, be sure to check the podcatcher of your choice every Thursday for brand new episodes. That all starts with a simple suggestion. How about this? Welcome back, fine townsfolk, to another episode of Random Encounters. I am Nick. I'm Matt. And we are here, as usual... No surprise to talk a random monster from a random monster manual. And also as no surprise, we're going to be pulling out of Tome of Beasts 2 yet again. Thank you, Cobalt Press, for putting out such quality material. Really makes our job easier and more fun. Starting in February, we'll branch out to some more of the old books or maybe some of the new books. Some more new books. But I just I had to get the Tome of Beasts out of my system here. Matt, this week we are on page 42, and this is a really cool undead option here. Okay. Always refreshing to see new options for the undead, obviously. And this one is a much darker and more depressing version, I would say, of something like the Taunting Haunt, kind of. Okay. Kind of a personal favorite of, of mine, for sure. So he's called, or it is called, the Black Crier. This skeletal figure is dressed in the style of a town crier. It carries an elaborate silver bell in its bony hands, and its skull gleams white in the moonlight. The Black Crier is an undead that appears hours, days, or even months before a great catastrophe. The larger the catastrophe the earlier the Black Crier appears. So it's a, a fantasy version of the Mothman, basically. Okay. Do you, do you know that reference? The Mothman? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For, for prophecies. For the, <laughs> is that the only reference you know? For those of you who don't know, <laughs> I think he's a, a cryptid from, I think, Pennsylvania? I think he's somewhere down there. And... Pennsylvania, West Virginia, somewhere. somewhere around there, right? And and he is a, a portent yep. of doom. Every time he's appeared, someone has spotted him. It's been there's been like a big disaster. The one I can think of is he showed up like a couple days before an entire bridge collapsed and a bunch of people died. That is the Mothman. The Mothman prophecies I cannot vouch for. Kevin Costner film I believe from like the early two thousands. Maybe late nineties. Richard Gear film. Oh, Richard Gear. Mm, they're they're interchangeable to me. Servants. <laughs> the Black Crier is a servant of fate. Black Criers are not malicious or vengeful undead, and exist to warn of coming danger. They defend themselves if attacked, but don't pursue fleeing opponents. Despite their name, Black Criers cannot speak. Instead, they use cryptic hand gestures or other mysterious signs to warn people of the impending calamity. 
and because they're undead, they do not require food, air, drink, or sleep. Some portents of disaster. A black crier is always accompanied by signs of impending disaster. The crier isn't affected or targeted by these portents, but it otherwise has no control over them. The portents appear within a black crier's bound region, and can be one or more of the following becoming more frequent as the date of the catastrophe approaches. So here are, are some examples. Swarms of rats or insects appear, destroying crops, eating food stores, and spreading disease, which in and of itself is a bit of a catastrophe. I don't know how that's a portent to one. Yeah. The ground in the region experiences minor tremors lasting 1d6 minutes. Thunderstorms, blizzards, and tornadoes plague the region, lasting 1d6 hours. Again, cat catastrophic. Natural water sources in the region turn the color of blood for 1d4 hours. The water is safe to drink, and the change in color has no adverse effect on local flora and fauna. Just options there. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you want the, the flavor of that portent to, to kind of be something of a, of, of a suggestion of what's to come, right? Yeah, reflective of the, the greater catastrophe. What I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of what would be a bigger catastrophe than like th thunderstorms or tornadoes plaguing a region for, for five hours, unless it's like, like an ice dragon or a thunder dragon who is then going to sweep in that the following day and just wreak havoc. Like, I don't know. I would say it's something like that. If you want to go to the more fantastical, maybe the more realistic would be the super volcano or something mm. along those lines okay. that is going to erupt. And obviously, you know, when that happens, then you're going to have thunderstorms and you're going to have, you know, a, a nuclear winter, so to speak. Yeah. So that in a roundabout way could be foretelling something along those lines, which is more, I guess, apocalyptic and cataclysmic, but still pretty bad. Pretty, pretty gosh darn similar. They're, yeah. they're interchangeable at that point, I would say. Yeah, I think that is the biggest challenge of this thing is, mm -hmm. is coming up with appropriate, appropriate portents of disaster and, and, and making it, and maybe, maybe the players don't need to know, like maybe it doesn't need to be like, oh, this is happening. Well, this is obviously going to happen next. You know, maybe yep. it's just a, a, a bad sign and the the cleric with the, the religion knowledge can can tell that this is a black crier and knows that it's like something bad is about to go down. Yeah, I think that's probably your best bet is have something along those lines and you just have the black crier walking around with the, the end is nigh on a side like a sandwich board yeah. hanging around his, his neck. Un unless the whole goal is to is for this to be the trigger for them to to stop it, and then you do got to really crunch and 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 make sure that they can figure it out. Yeah, I would say you give them an avenue, and if they don't take it, then maybe it's one of those things where if you don't actively prevent it, then you have to find a way to stop it within the actual cataclysm itself yeah after it starts you you it's it's got to be reactive instead of proactive exactly but giving them the ability to even discover what the heck is going on and giving them that option to be proactive is always it's always the it's it's always more fair as a dm unless 
really the story does not hinge on them stopping it at all, which which could easily be the case, you know, unless it's the start of a really big shift in that that campaign and you expect them to have another portion that is post-apocalyptic or something like that. Exactly. That would be a nice tonal shift. Mm-hmm. But you definitely want to give them that opportunity to at least figure it out. Maybe there is nothing they can do about it. Right. But it's all, it's a win for them. If they're like, if they can look back and say, yep, we, we figured this was going to happen. Not really sure if there's anything we can do about it. Right. But it's one of those things where instead of stopping the, the cataclysm itself, you're trying to mitigate some of the damage to right either the surrounding area, the people, whatever. Right, prepare in some way, whether it's evacuating the town or or collecting supplies so you can safely withstand the, the nuclear winter that is about to happen, something along those lines, yeah. And it doesn't have to be, oh, we have to fight this thing to, to stop it. It can be, there There can be different mechanics, you know, have have the people with charisma go out and convince the people to leave or... The, the people with the nature checks go out and forage for food, things like that. Yeah. B- build up those roles that can then overall give them a bonus going into this next portion. It's the doomsday prepper arc. Yeah, it's Fallout. Yeah, yeah, basically. And that's, that's interesting because that takes a collective mission mm-hmm. and really individualizes it so each character gets a chance to shine within the whole narrative. Right, giving giving their own spin of support on something that that no one else could clearly do. It's it's a nice it it is a nice way to 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 highlight teamwork in a different way other than well I'm healing you while you fight. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes you need a break from just constant battles and then fight and then, you know, healing from the battles and yeah. so so on and so forth ability checks and things like that are also a really important mechanic that can feel like a battle and can really kind of separate itself from the whole role-playing versus combat. Yeah. But it, it still allows the, the players to stay engaged and it, it can still be extremely high stakes too. Oh yeah. You know, it's not just like, Oh, well you don't get the door open. It's well, you didn't get enough berries. So some of these villagers may not survive. You know? That's it, and you have a some kind of a percentage where mm-hmm. you roll your your percentile dice, and you say, you know, you whatever it is plus ten or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's how many are safe out right. of you know ten thousand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. the The better you do on those initial foraging rolls, the better that bonus is. It's always going to be a percentile, but if you knocked the snot out of those rolls, it's percentile plus fifty. You know, you didn't do so great. It's percentile plus 10, something like that. Yeah, that's, that's, hmm, that's primo. I love that. I love those unique mechanics that, that you can take your player's skills and, and use them, use them in a way that they feel more personalized and and effective. And it's not, like we said, it's not just fighting. I like that a lot. Yeah. I think it's always important as a DM to look at the, the character sheet of whatever system you're running. D&D mm, Pathfinder, mm. whatever, and see what, maybe not necessarily see what your players are good at, but see what skills are involved in that system and try to find something to highlight some of those skills, if not every session, then maybe every couple sessions mm-hmm. 
so that they're doing something beyond just perception checks or right. you know a, a random arcana check or something along those lines. Yeah. Otherwise, why did you why did you choose that class with those skills? Why did you choose that background that gave you a bonus to that? They it's very easy for that stuff to kind of fall by the wayside, but it is it is a good DM who will acknowledge that and see that. And if your players don't care about that stuff, that's fine. Know your players too, you know, play to the room. True. That's fine. But it is it is a nice, unique kind of change of things. Yeah, but nobody hates rolling dice. So yeah. the more dice you get to roll, be it in a combat or in some sort of a skill check, yeah. then that's always going to keep them more engaged than maybe you just standing up and trying to trying to talk at them. Yeah, what's narrate on. it through, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So some more deets on the Black Crier here. Armor class of 16, a hover speed of 30. You can fly, nice. at hover at 30, so walking speed of 30. Challenge rating of 11. It understands all languages but cannot speak. Your standard resistances and immunities for for damage and and conditions it, it it's resistant to necrotic psychic bludgeoning piercing and slashing from non-magical damage immunity of poison condition immunity of charmed exhaustion frightened paralyzed poison stunned kind of all all what i would expect from a fairly high level undead mm -hmm. it is bound by calamity the black crier is bound to a region where a major catastrophe will happen the region can be of any size, but is never smaller than one square mile. If the crier leaves this region, it loses its rejuvenation trait and crier's lament action. It permanently dies if it remains outside of its bound region for more than 24 hours. Rejuvenation is if it dies within the bound region before the catastrophe it's her it heralds happens, it returns to life in 1d6 days and regains all of its hit points. The Black Crier dies after the catastrophe ends and doesn't rejuvenate, and only a wish spell can prevent the rejuvenation trait from functioning. So if if you kill it and then wish it away, but I I have a I have an idea here. We're not going to get into it just yet. I want to talk about its actions, but then then we okay. will. So it has for its actions, it has the Black Crier uses its bell toll. It then takes two melee attacks. So the bell is it's a plus eight to hit, a reach of five. It's, so it's an actual physical melee. It's 1d8 plus four bludgeoning damage plus 4d6 necrotic damage. Bell toll is the black crier targets one creature it can see within 60 feet of it. The creature must make a DC 17 wisdom saving throw. On a fail, it takes 4d6 necrotic and is frightened until the end of its next turn. Uh, on a success, the target takes half damage and isn't frightened. If the saving throw fails by five or more, the target suffers one level of exhaustion. Wow. That's cool. That's a nice All little right. effect there. And then it has Crier's Lament once per day. The Black Crier unleashes a devastating peal of anguish and rage in a 30-foot cone. Each creature in the area must make a DC 16 charisma saving throw. On a failure... A creature drops to zero hit points. <laughs> wow. On a, on a success, a creature takes 6d6 psychic damage and is frightened for one minute. A frightened creature can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself on a success. Just insta-drop. 
<laughs> Amazing. Okay. And it's a charisma save. It's not a con. So your Sork might survive. Your Bard might survive. Your Barbarian? Mm, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. That's cool. Oof. And it's not kill. It's not like outright dead cannot be revived. It's zero. So they're they're still making death saving throws. They can still get a get a good berry dropped in their mouth and go up to one HP. You know, all yep. all, all of your standard stuff, medicine check will will stabilize. But it's 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 nice mechanically because the black crier does not want to fight. So yep. it's like, okay, stop, jangle, everybody drops, and then it just goes about its business. It wouldn't maliciously be attacking them when they're down, you know, to, to kill them. Yeah. So you would, it'd be one of those things where you would probably have to house rule it, but say your entire party drops Mm -hmm. and then they just wake up two hours later or they, they wake up because a random townsperson came by and saw this as the effects of the black crier. Right. Right. And and saw that they were still alive. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, they've or, seen this kind of thing before. Mm-hmm. Or the cleric's god get pops him back with one hit point after a minute yeah. or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it, like it, it would be my wish to literally drop them all. Obviously, not to kill them all, but for, for how effective would that be? How how and then mm, just spicy meatball is that? And then make them wait a month till the next session to see what happens. Oh yeah, what a great way! Time it perfectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. So for 30 days, they're just rolling up new characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or everybody drops, but the Sork and then end it there as well. That's a great way. I mean, we've all seen those like TV action movies where something dramatic happens and it, and then it goes black and it's commercial break, you know? Yep. And then, yeah. and then it gives that like two second recap before it starts back up again. But yeah, that is. That is one of my favorite things about this guy is that yep. it, it is not malicious. It's just, I'm trying to do my job and you're in the way. It's first of all, bound by calamity, great heavy metal band name. Mm, mm-hmm. Second, this is just a Herald of Galactus is what it is. Oh, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. They never want to fight, but everybody always wants to fight them. Exactly, because of what they are coming to tell you is going to happen. Yeah, stopping me isn't going to stop it. Exactly. I'm here. I'm I'm doing you a favor, kind of. I'm telling you to get the heck out. Yeah, not not that not that you can get the heck out of the way of Galactus, but true. But it's it's fighting the firefighter who's there to tell you to get out of the burning house. Yeah, right. It's my house. No. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. You punch, punches you in the face and that's his, uh, his, his cryo crier's lament knocks you out and carries you out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I'm, it gives you stats and it gives you moves to fight against. Like if, if, Mm -hmm. if your players choose to fight this and I'm, I'm trying to think of like, why just like the silver surfer, you know, why would your players fight this? And my thought is for maybe it's, maybe it's part of the evil campaign is your players need to stop this thing from warning people to get the most effect out of the catastrophe. 
I like that. So they 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 have to they try to knock it out or they 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 tie it up or something. They don't kill it because they know it'll rejuvenate, but they yeah. also know that if it permanently die it, it that it permanently dies if it remains outside of that bound region for more than 24 hours. So you're throwing it in the back of a wagon and just driving it. Just go as far as you can north. Hours yep. north. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you have to the the first trick is to figure out what that bound region is and I don't know if that's like arcana checks or or some sort of research some sort of 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 yeah. information gathering to see what the calamity would be and what it would be affected some something along those lines. Yep. And and Where's then the and then getting yeah and getting it and getting it across that border and you just keep going. And, and maybe, at that point it's one of those kind of cheesy video game quests where you're just all you're doing is just fighting off in this case good guys that are trying to rescue mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's like an escort quest essentially, but it's the yeah. opposite kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's it's you you have random encounters along the road like good guys who want to stop it and and bandits who think you've got something valuable and and all sorts of stuff and maybe maybe if they fail a roll or or a check or or a fight this thing does get loose and they have to go back and chase it and 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 tie it back up all, or all, it dies or it dies and that's oh my gosh that would be yeah they the the good guys set it free and kill it or kill it while it's indisposed even better because that's just an auto crit that's a coup and yeah and then they have to go back and you've got a time frame of a couple of days you know that's a good way to work in time too it's like majora's mask you've only got three days before the moon crashes into oh what's the city in, in majora's mask i don't remember damn it i haven't played it for what it's worth it's next on my list but yeah you've, you've got a time period on here and if they fail the the big bad who is actually their boss is going to be really upset. Yeah. That's one heck of a mechanic to use when you're someone in the party rolls a natural one to, to, for it to get free in that fight that they, they kill the, the crier instead. Oh yeah. Depending on, on location and and what they're exactly, trying to do yeah yeah, yeah absolutely you know, yeah especially uh, if the sorcerer that is is watching over it and you roll a one trying to throw a fireball it explodes kills the crime mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly the, the wagon catches on fire and it's magic fire so it's not immune to it it's not resistant to it oh, oh that yeah that's even better yeah and then your your sork knows they're in trouble when they have to go back to the boss and be like, mm, I lit it on fire and it died and we have to go yeah. back. And it just just eighties eighties cartoon yells at them, screams gadget, hits its chair, and you have to go back, you know? Yeah. Or or make yeah, it like yeah. make it less silly and like make it really high stakes and scary. Like who knows, you know? The feeled dragon that's on his lap just jumps away. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. What was the cat's name? And that was his name was Doctor Claw. The Claw. Doc, I think it was Doctor Claw. He was a doctor. Was it a was it a doctor of medicine or or philosophy? Honorary doctorate. Honor- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tufts gave him an honorary doctorate. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, Mad Cat? Mad Cat, you're right. Yeah. Oh, did you yeah. look it up? I did. Of course I did. You wouldn't look up Poisoned last episode. I actually but, looked it up and then you, oh, you did. <laughs> as I had it sitting there. Okay. I have priorities, all right? I know, no, I know. You gotta you gotta keep your eighties cred going. <laughs> For the record, Clocktown and Termina are the 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 locations in in Majora's Mask. Gotcha. Yeah. So anything else on the Black Crier here, Matt? What do you think? I I think I think there's a lot to work with and I really, really dig the basically being the minions of the the big bad sent out to stop this thing. I do love that that aspect. We're always looking for a good hook for our our villain campaign. Mm-hmm. And not just a hook, but a good kind of mechanic to play with as well. Yeah. I'm getting a really creepy, cool Beetlejuice vibe out of mm. the crier. Yeah. I could see something doing something with that, maybe even something as as a blatant ripoff of Beetlejuice, where you have to summon this creature and you're in this this undead realm or this undead village and you just have criers all over the place and then do what you do you have to are you staying to still you still have to stop them or well no like this is just kind of the holding area before they ascend to the material plane so to speak where so you're just you're witnessing all these kind of oh different undead creatures in Mm -hmm. one area like you would in beetlejuice and then when they pass over into you know, quote unquote, our realm yeah, is when now you, you recognize that maybe that's where you learn the lore of what the crier's all about. So that when you see it in this village, you're like, Oh crap. So you're, something's going, you're saying this is just a, a tiny little snippet of that. Right. Got it. Okay. It also makes me think of little monsters where you see all of the monsters, like in their everyday life, kind of. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really, I could see it going either way using the using it as your your players being good obviously and 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 trying to decipher what the problem is because it does give like cryptic hand signals which is another challenge of what are the hand signals going to be if 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 they take that route if you as the DM take that route but also the the fabled evil campaign what a great way to start them as just like crappy little minions you know, as King Hippo oh, yeah. and Eggplant Wizard to yes. to the Mother Brain, you know, until they ascend higher up the ranks, and then and then you're you're dealing with taking out rival bad guy bosses. So you got to go take out the Illithids or or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I yeah. what a what a fun aspect into that that campaign. Although this thing is level eleven, so. That is kind of implying that you would make, you would still be minions at around that level. And maybe this is, this is the, the, maybe you've been super peon up until this point and, and achieving this pushes you up, makes you get you that promotion basically, you know? Yeah. In the, in the grand scheme of the mafioso bad guyhood here, you're, you're not just the street tough anymore. You're, you're now the you know, you're commanding your own unit or mm-hmm. something like that when you reach this level. Yeah, um, this is this is a pretty epic task, both both challenge wise and and like narratively to mm-hmm. to really to really do that transition to make that push into the the next aspect. 
Yeah. That being said, even though this is level 11, because it's not primarily combat based, and even if it is where it's it's just knocking out the characters all in one blow, I would want them to be under leveled when they go up against it. Mm, okay. But it, but that that in turn makes it that much more of a challenge for them to succeed. You Correct. Know, how- I, if they're going to fight this creature, I don't necessarily want them to succeed in, ter- in that regard. Like maybe they, they do well. I'm not saying that they're level one going up against 11, right. but say you're level six or seven, you would still be able to incapacitate it. Most likely you're not going to, bring it down to zero okay yeah yeah maybe maybe a a turn undead spell or well i don't know though if you're playing an evil campaign you wouldn't your cleric probably wouldn't be able to turn undead no would there be some kind of a command undead though oh that's possible yeah yeah command suggestion chaos those options could work and I don't know. This thing does seem sentient, so I can't imagine they wouldn't be effective. I didn't see anything in the stats that would say it's it's immune to anything like that, I don't think. Yeah, especially knowing all languages and whatnot. Right. Because it can't yeah. communicate itself and verbally. Mm-hmm. So I would say that you would be able to do that. And again, like we've been saying forever, make it work. Yeah. Oh, well, it it is, it does, it is immune to being charmed. Okay. So it, depending on the keywords in those spells, if it doesn't say charmed, you could pull it off, but I don't know. It's where we're towing the line here. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. Your bard may not be able to do it, but the evil cleric could. Right. How, how, how else can you incapacitate it? You mold earth around his feet so it can't move. And then, I don't know, have a sharpshooter ranger try to take the bell out of its hand so it can't do the bell toll. And then it's fairly useless. Yep. Mold earth. And then you do like constricting vines around it to really hold it tight until the barbarian can get into in there to tie it up. It's yeah. You certainly got to be selective about the spells you're going to be using definitively to incapacitate this thing and not take it out. Yeah. It's going to take a little bit of critical thinking, but that is more interesting in the long run than just battle, battle, battle. Mm -hmm. Like you're, this is, you're going to have to figure out a way to, like you said, not only incapacitate it, but you have to then transport it. Yeah. And as a, as a DM, I see this as a, fantastic challenge to say you want to run this as a Halloween one shot. Yep. You, you set it up, you try to convince them to, to you give them the the roughest idea of what they're going up against before they make their characters. So they, so they can plan ahead, you know, they give themselves the, the, the right tools ahead of time but you don't tell them what it is and why it is until after they've succeeded when they bring it to the guy and then they find out that they're working for the bad guy, you know, and then maybe they fight the bad guy or you just end it there. Maybe that's the end of the sesh. Yeah. If it's going to be just kind of a one shot deal, then Mm -hmm. for sure. I think that'd be a a cool little 
little way to leave it off really, you know, and if you want to pick it up at some point, you know, after the fact, maybe we Mm. can resolve that down the road, but just that, you know, much like the, everybody dropping and just the sorcerer stay staying there conscious Mm. that, that reveal that kind of cliffhanger is, I love when it's used in, you know, role-playing media, of course, but even mm. in our own game, I, I love trying to find some way to do that at the end of every session. Oh, sure. The the pit drops out of your stomach as the, as the rug is pulled out from under you and you're like, oh, what is going on? You exactly. get just enough to, to not know what the hell is going on and, and just enough to be made like, what's the cognitive dissonance uncomfortable? And yep. you've got all this time to think about what actually happened or what is going to happen next. That's that's the beauty of that kind of cliffhanger. It doesn't have to be crazy like, oh, did they all fall in the acid? No, it could be it could be a lot more subtle. And yep. sometimes that's a lot more effective. Yeah, I really try to do it when I'm running games for for kids because it mm. really hits home yeah. with them. You know, it's the last one we did, they were going up against they had just finished a beholder fight and then Mm. they were going into a separate room and it just got really really cold and they they had no idea what was going on they had like a a pet rat that they sent in and you heard it squeak 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 and then just stop (laughs) and then we ended the session yeah perfect perfect that that mm, that's that's beautiful and not to not to downplay the you kick down the door and there's a brass dragon waiting for you end of session. Oh yeah. Cause that is still just as good, but subtle I, is nice. It's a nice tool for a DM. Yeah. I've done both. Obviously yeah. it's it. And it hits them each time. There's like, if it's brazen in your face, there's an excitement. Uh-huh. And if it's subtle, then it's, they're just going to needle you for the next week mm-hmm. of, what is it? What's cold? What creature? Yeah. You know, where do I find this in the, in the monster manual? Yeah. The, and the intrigue. Yeah. Exactly. Where do I find that. it in the monster manual? Yeah. You little snots. Don't you dare look it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, and, and all of that aside, like sometimes it's nice if, if to, to kind of end on a nice warm button too, like you're, you sure. all, you're all sitting around the fire. You're all enjoying the mead. And for the first time in, in three weeks, you can breathe and relax. You don't need to post a watch. You all just kind of enjoy your company. That's yeah. also a really nice button too. Sometimes I, I would, I would reserve that one yes. because that is for lack of a better term, the, the safer, more boring ending. And, and of course you want to keep, keep your players on your toe, on their toes and, and, and excited yep. about the next sesh. But, but that is a great way to kind of maybe end an, uh, a minor arc, you know, exactly. and give them that, it, that is much more resolution. That is much more, we have succeeded and, and we, we really did, did do something. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of, that's what I like to do when, after there is like the end of an arc, the end mm-hmm. of a, of a, of a certain, you know, a dungeon or something like that yeah. is now everybody takes a breath for a week and we come back anew and see what, See what new challenges arise. Right, right. What, what, what else is coming at us? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, how many death knells would you give the black crier? There's a lot that can be done with the crier 
but it's not it's nothing you can build a campaign around it's it's just kind of a it's a set piece i would yes yes but let me argue that it's one of the strongest stories we've come up with for the the evil campaign true and it is also the it it also has some cool mechanics a lot like the taunting haunt that that make it much more of a challenge than just kill this thing true you know we don't see those terribly often i i don't i don't think it's i think it's more of a set i think it's less of a set piece than the feel of dragon yes i agree okay i agree i would i would go with a six matt still i would go with a six i still I, I like it. It's <laughs> I it is a it can be an important part of a campaign mm-hmm. and it especially with that with that evil campaign, but it's just a piece of that puzzle and not something that you could it's never gonna be your big bad. It's never gonna be a real driving force of a campaign. Yeah. It's going to be more of the the navigator of that campaign. I, I get it. I get that, but I, but the seizure you had says you disagree. I, it, it was a shock. It was a shock because I, I thought we were so in on this, this black crier being the key to like stop like the, the next step in that, that evil campaign. I was so excited about that idea. And I thought you were too. And it turns out, it turns out that the, Felid Dragon is one one higher than the Black Crier is in your estimation. Correct. I think the Felid Dragon has more staying power, I guess, in terms of what it can be and what it can do okay. within a campaign than the Crier. You're right. And it's and it's it's much more universal. It's much more versatile. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. You're right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'm just I'm just so excited about this evil campaign. But yeah, that being said, I think if if you don't use the crier in honestly in any campaign, but certainly the evil campaign, I think that that is it's a gross misuse of of your monster manual. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. If if you're if you're just using this as as fodder, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, really dig into it the the escort quest is a great idea to to really tie this into your campaign yeah the the i don't want to say reverse escort because it's not but you still need to you still need to protect it and you still need to get it away but you're just you're going against everything that it's trying to do you know it's 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 a kidnap quest it's not an escort it's a kidnap that's what it is yeah But really, kidnapping is just escorting with violence. So. That's true. Kid, uh, escorting against their will. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, on that dark note, let's end for the Black Crier. That is six death knells for the Black Crier. Come on back next week for another random monster from a random monster manual. Reach out to us, moms at fecklessmoms.com. Rate, review, subscribe, all of the things you do with podcasts. Give us some more of those, please. And until next week... We will be waiting here, silently thinking about what we've done with our lives. Thanks. 
Hey, Random Encounters is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.